This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 60, where we're talking about Gotham, season 2, episode 9, A Bitter Pill to Swallow. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Gilzean on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites, to episode 60 of Gotham TV Podcast, where we're talking about season two, episode nine. A bitter pill to swallow. I almost forgot the name of the episode there. Uh, always happens just as I'm doing the intro. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, I'm one of your other hosts, John, and this was a really, really good episode. It Loved certainly it. was. It was not a bitter pill at all. Yeah, it really was a good episode. Loads going on, really enjoyable. Uh, one of those classic episodes that I think will stand out in the whole series of Gotham. Um, so no, just really solid. I yeah. mean, it's sad that old Harvey Bullock wasn't in uh, this episode. No he Bullock was absent this week. No. Uh, but I loved it. It certainly addressed a little gripe of mine from last week, I have mm-hmm. to say. Head on. Um, there's a, still a bit of uh, Jim grandstanding and being sort of morally upstanding towards the end, but... I actually can forgive it now because it really was laid bare. Someone finally, in fact, two people finally called him out on it. So really liked that. It was about time that he got a good old uh, slap across the wrists or the back of his legs or... A little bit of discipline. Absolutely, absolutely. It needs a little bit. It needs a little bit. Uh, welcome back, Gothamites. It's really good to be back again uh, with this episode of Gotham TV Podcast. If you want to find the podcast, just make sure you uh, subscribe to us over at iTunes. You can subscribe through uh, our website by going to gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, you can also pick us up on any good podcast catcher. We're having a discussion about this week, this, this week about which was the best podcast catcher. Uh, two of the ones that we usually recommend are uh, Beyond Pod and podcast addict but really good podcast catchers that can pick up all of our show notes and pick up our images and um, but we are on pretty much every podcast catcher out there all you need to do is search for gotham tv podcast and you will find us and we will pop in your ears every week uh, once you subscribe to the podcast so uh, hopefully you're joining us over there uh, another quick shout out for our group over on facebook uh, where we talk about gotham at the uk pace if you just search for gotham tv podcast over there we have a page where we generally just release our episode and maybe bits the news and we also have a group where we have some discussion about the episodes as they're released in the uk with no spoilers for the u.s episodes so uh, come join the group it's just starting out but uh, we'd love to have you join absolutely and of course you can follow us on twitter just search at gotham tv podcast and of course we live tweet gotham which is on channel five in the uk and ireland every monday at 10 p.m and we live tweet the episode there so come on Join us um, and tweet away with with us and other members of the cast, yeah. as well as uh, Channel 5. Absolutely, absolutely. It's great fun doing that, actually. I'm really enjoying it, uh, being able to just connect with people. Some some of the Americans who've seen the episodes before are able to point out some stuff we may have missed, uh, and really good fun to, to be on there and enjoy it along with a group of people. So, uh, yeah, come to us over on, over on Twitter as well. Uh, with that, I think we're ready to kick into this week's episode. We always mention it because we do have new listeners every time we release an episode, which is great, and thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Uh, the way we cover our podcast is we take five points from the episode that have stood out to us. We try and find a uh, a Batman 66 moment, a bullockism, which unfortunately there were none this week, uh, potentially some other references to Batman materials uh, as we go. And hopefully between the two of us, we'll cover off everything we want to talk about in the episodes. And then we'll go into our feedback uh, at the end of the episode, some uh, discussion that we've picked up from our listeners as well. Um, so to begin with, this episode, episode nine of season two of Gotham, A Bitter Pill to Swallow, was directed by Louis Shaw Milito, a first time director for Gotham, uh, comes from a couple of the TV shows. Uh, he's he's directed a bunch of episodes of CSI uh, and also directed an episode of Lucifer, uh, one of the other DC properties on TV. Uh, really interesting that he's doing some crossover in the DC Absolutely. universe. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this episode was written by Megan Moyston Brown. You might remember Megan Moyston Brown is the script editor, the senior script editor for uh, season one of Gotham and for most of season two, so knows a lot about the characters and their interactions. You can see that in this episode. There's definitely a lot Abs- of good interaction. Absolutely. You can really see the interplay between characters here and, and some really good exchanges. I mean, mm-hmm. there's the usual high-quality exchanges between Alfred and Bruce, 
But again, and it's certainly something I'm going to come to. I love seeing the interaction between Barnes, Captain Barnes and Jim as well, because mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that's kind of fallen to the background a bit. Whereas when Captain Barnes was first introduced, it was very much, you're on board, you're part of my team. And it's obviously slightly started to kind of um, break it to some extent. There's a distance developed between them. So it was good that they reconnected here, I thought. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, with that, I think we need to know what they gave us for this episode. What came in Gotham Season 2, Episode 9, John? Give us your synopsis. Sure. Tabitha is all out for revenge following the arrest of her brother, Theo Gallivan. She wants Jim's head on a plate, and she will stop at nothing to get it, as she goes to a killer agency and puts out a contract for Jim Gordon's assassination. Elsewhere, Bruce is still beside himself and is desperate to know the truth about his parents' killers from Silver St. Cloud, but is stopped by his loyal guardian, Alfred, and his ever-watchful cat, Selina. In another part of town, Penguin and Ed have another encounter as Nigma nurses Oswald back to health and gets the Penguin to move on from the death of his mother. With a few jabs of the needle, a lot of rest, a bit of henchman killing and some sage advice, Edward Nigma begins the process of rehabilitation for Oswald Cobblepot. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at Theo Gallivan's Gotham apartment, the attempts on Jim's life come thick and fast as Captain Barnes and Gordon investigate the residence for evidence. The continuous waves of killers are fended off, but Barnes is severely injured in the process. As reinforcements arrive, so does the fearless contract killer named Eduardo Flamingo, who is ruthless and skilled in the art of death, and who also likes to dine out on his prey. On other waves arrive a different breed of killers, as the Order of St. Dumas enters Gotham City no. to execute the wishes of Theo Gallivan. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Where was Christian Slater and Sean Connery from the... <laughs> not get that reference there. From In the Name of the Rose. Yes. That kind of reminded me a bit of that. <laughs> Excellent. You don't make it easy for yourself when you do your synopsis, John. I love your synopsis. I must say they're really, really good, but you don't make it easy for yourself. Looking for the evidence in the residence is a difficult thing to say, isn't it? It's my new tune. <laughs> Looking for the evidence in the Word. residence. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, really good episode this this week. Um, loads of stuff going on. Again, tons of characters in there. That's pretty much covered off most of the characters it's a shame that harvey wasn't in there that would have been a complete uh, set of all of the main characters appearing in this week's episode so um but really really good uh can i go first on my first point absolutely yeah. fire away because it addressed my issue from last week or answered my question from last week i suppose um the same issue that i had no no my uh, my question that i that i was left wondering last week was how is barbara Keane? how does she only have concussion and a couple of broken bones uh answered pretty quickly at the start of this episode as uh, jim goes to visit her in hospital um she's not just got concussion she is in a coma and may never recover uh from it says the doctor uh, she may come out may not um but i like that they've kept her alive um at the moment and stored her back away in arkham which is where she escaped from an episode one yeah, of the, the medical wing crazy babs in the medical wing at arkham that's right absolutely yeah, yeah just one short uh final wake up uh from escape yeah yeah it's definitely one of the favorite things i love about podcasting when you're doing each individual episode of a series rather than doing one podcast for 22 episodes uh we're picking out stuff each week and i love that they answer the questions that we have because effectively all these episodes are written and produced well before they're aired so they're not answering our questions they're they've come up with the answers for things that they pose for us so we did ask the right questions i think um which is what i like about this kind of stuff when we go absolutely why is barbara doing that oh okay well that's why and that's what happened to her so that's good or whether it brings into question uh leslie tompkins medical skills though is uh, another matter possibly she is used to dealing with dead bodies more often exactly. uh, than live ones so maybe she missed a little uh, little moment there for poor barbara and one of the other good things that it brings in is obviously this continuing fracture between leslie tompkins and uh, and jim you know uh, he's just got to go and see the woman that tried to kill him and leslie uh 
and also tried to uh, steal him away from Leslie many times, tried to kiss him um, the previous week in, in the uh, interrogation room, did kiss him, excuse me, in front of in front of Leslie in the interrogation room. Um, another little fracture to their to their relationship here. Uh, all's not happy in the world of Gotham for uh, for these two characters. Not at all. Um, and I mean, you know, this is starting to cause fractures uh, in their relationship. Yeah. Um, I wonder how long uh, Leslie would be able to deal with this if it continues and it'll be interesting to see whether it continues now that babs is certified arkham and now whether you know jim this whole episode is about this bitter pill to swallow and whether it is jim realizing ultimately that he has to swallow this bitter pill that is truth about his personality and how he does things you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so It'll be interesting because there there is still hope for this couple, Leslie and Jim. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Despite what Barbara thinks, (laughs) as opposed to thinking that there's there's hope in their relationship. Yeah. John, do you want to take us on to your first point? Absolutely. And I might as well just um, address the elephant in the room, so to speak. Um, I did have an issue with Jim's continued moralizing and how you know on the one hand he's to be this upstanding citizen he's moralizing to other people about doing bad things and yet you know he kills people um in in a very secretive way outside of the law and Mm. that doesn't seem to prey on his conscience and this episode addressed it in spades what with leslie tompkins bringing it up in front of him, and also Captain Barnes. And I loved it for that. I mean, I really did like, uh, you know, Leslie saying, most people fight their dark sides. You find ways to give into it. And it is. It's like, you know, you're using this as an excuse. And that's what I always felt. It just felt a convenient excuse. And she's addressed it. And that, for me, was excellent to really kind of put the pressure on Jim. I mean, the challenging Jim here, and I think that's what his character really, really needed. I mean, not trying to be too sort of serious about it, but even in a heightened world, even in a world um, that maybe has kooky elements to it and is fun, it still has to hold some form of rationale and reason behind it. And I thought this was just starting to move away from that. It made less and less sense every time I heard Jim speak. And here he is being challenged by the woman he loves about him continually giving in to doing stuff that is beyond the law that in the next sentence he's trying to uphold. Yeah. Um, And what I loved then about his exchange with Captain Barnes. Before you go on to Barnes, there is an interesting moment in this exchange with Leslie where he comes back to her after a pretty bad day and says, "Um, I think I've done something pretty bad today. And she goes, oh, what a surprise, you know, Uh, really good sarcastic kind of moments from Leslie where she's looking at him going, yes, I know. And you do this all the time. And I'm the one that's constantly worried about it. Uh, Now you know how I feel being in a relationship with you and your attitude. And it is hugely calling out the issue that you had last week, you know, uh, about how Jim has been carrying through this season. um, Just kind of, you know, existing on the fact that, yes, he's got a badge so he can do whatever he wants to. You know, that's a very different Jim than we saw in the season last year. Um, And it's nice to see the other characters kind of calling that out at random. Yeah, yeah. This episode is bookended by the death of Officer Parks because... In effect, Jim has resisted that dark urge. You you hear him scream out as he's got the gun in Eduardo's mouth. Mm. You know, he could quite easily have just shot him after what he had just done um, to the, the officers that had come to reinforce Barnes and him at Galavan's apartment. Um, but he doesn't. And it has consequences as well. And I like that idea. It's that no matter which route you go down, there are bad consequences. Mm-hmm. And it just illustrates that point. There's bad consequences for Jim for killing at the orders of Penguin and asking Penguin to essentially remove a publicly appointed official and a commissioner. Um, And there's consequences for doing the right thing. And sometimes they can also be tragic, as is the case with Officer Parks. Um, But one of the things I really liked then was the exchange with Captain Barnes and, and Jim. And firstly, it's just Captain Barnes sort of calling out the 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 um blatant bad behavior the ill discipline of Jim Gordon mm-hmm. that you know you're doing this in front of me um 
where he's hanging the guy you know, out the where window. No, hanging the guy out. You know, this is something that I don't tolerate. I've told you that I don't tolerate. We have to operate within the law. And look, you're doing this continually. And Jim again plays that same card that he always has done. And for me, it was getting tired in the last episode, which was, um, oh, but this is Gotham. We have to do things, you know, the bad way. Otherwise, we don't get anything done. And he calls that out as well. Yeah. Um, Jim is saying we need to push the boundaries. You know, this is Gotham. And, and Barnes, you know, just calls it out again by telling him his story about, you know, when he was in, in the, um, the army and so on. And it's basically saying, look, you know, I'm hearing you, but that's still no excuse as to why you are essentially blatantly disobedient and disloyal to me in front of my face, going against my expressed orders and, and, and really going against my authority. Yeah. And it's just that whole call out. Because again, like with Leslie's, it challenges Jim. And again, it all leads to this death of Officer Parks, which is saying, you know, even when you do the right thing, there are consequences. And as I said before, they can sometimes be tragic. So I'm really pleased that the writers uh, addressed what was happening with with Jim Gordon. And I'm really glad that it was both Leslie and Captain Barnes, his private and his professional um, pillars of his life that really sort of um, challenged him to think about what he is that he's doing. And ultimately, I find now that it makes everything that he's done previously, I can go, okay, that's fine. And I think as well, it pulls Jim Gordon's character more into the character which I perceive as being canon. Right. Ultimately. One that has to do challenging stuff, but it's not easy. Right. But it's always the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I think this scene in itself is fantastic um, between Barnes and and Jim. They haven't really had a huge amount of um, really good drama scenes together uh, throughout the season so far since Barnes joined. You know, there's been, you know, a couple of things of, you know, you're on my side now. I'm now your leader a lot from Barnes. Uh, It's great to have a moment between the two of them where they share the fact that they're both army vets and they've both been to war and they've both had these experiences where where Jim can learn from Barnes, you know, and learn how to take on board his kind of aggression and anger and turn it into something powerful and useful for the GCPD. Um, where he was going, whereas he was going down a path that he was probably going to end off in prison himself, you know, <laughs> eventually, Absolutely. or in Arkham, you know, he may have just uh, it may have snapped within his brain at some point, and he would be sent off to Arkham, you know, uh, or go on some kind of personal vendetta and get killed, you know. Um, it looks like Barnes is able to pull that back a little bit, and Leslie. Uh, to the same extent to be able to kind of pull that back and call him out on it. It's great to see that uh, after our discussion last week, you know, it's, it's great to kind of see that they're, that that's being addressed in the show as well. Um, so hopefully we'll see a stronger, uh, more powerful Jim Gordon with the backup of other people in his life. Now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Derek, what's your next point? I'm going to call out one of my favorite guest stars so far. I think um, we have Missy from Doctor cool, Who, yes. absolutely. Yes, Michelle Gomez, uh, who's well known as uh, as one of the characters in um, Doctor Who, if you've watched that show. Um, she's a, generally a comedian, um, generally plays comedy roles in here, and you can tell she's uh, she's fighting her the urge to use her Scottish accent uh, in this episode. Um, she's usually got quite a deep Scottish accent because she's from Glasgow. Um, I really do like the actress herself it's great to see her in the show and i love the part that she's playing so it's uh, so she's playing the uh, the lady as uh, how she's how she's uh, referred to in imdb i think she's the leader of the assassin group that uh, that tabitha goes and hires uh, to take out jim gordon um, really good to see her in here she's a good character actress i really do like that kind of crazy style that she brings to us um to the part um, and I, I, I like the whole concept and the, and the whole idea of this team of assassins that are being sent out to take down jim gordon so hopefully we're going to see her back in a future episode but great to have Missy from Doctor Who on there. I know, obviously, watching it in the UK with a lot of UK viewers, there's tons of them that are also Doctor Who, Doctor Who fans. You can tell the reaction yeah, from absolutely from so lo- so many of the the people that were tweeting along with us were just reacting to the fact that wow, we've got Missy in this universe now. That's really cool. Um, you know, so it's the female master. Sorry, uh, in case you aren't a Doctor Who fan. So that's it. All my notes referred to her as Missy. Yeah. Um, and it was really good to see. Um, she just brings a vibrancy and, and um, just a, a real urgency to to 
the delivery of of her dialogue it was just really good i loved the moment where she's with tabitha in the bar and you have um you know she says well personal uh contracts cost extra yeah and tabitha's kind of like you know is it business is it personal and she goes no it's business um and she shows the picture and it's like a cop and she goes, are you sure it's not personal? And she goes, no. And she goes, well, that's good then because cops cost extra. Yeah. Like really, really good line. <laughs> Loved stuff. it. Um, one of the interesting things as well that I spotted in the bar just before Tabitha goes through the secret doorway, mm-hmm. it looked like that behind the bar there was a um, – it almost looked like a Tim Burton-esque kind of statue like from um, Nightmare Before Christmas right. or, like or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was behind the bar, and I thought, oh, there's a, there's maybe a Tim Burton moment, mm-hmm. Tim Burton Batman moment, um, a little reference. Probably wasn't. It just reminded <laughs> me, in any case, of um, those stop motion animations that, in particular, Nightmare Before Christmas, that uh, that Tim Burton did. Right, right, and uh, which is fab, by ab- the way. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I do love the whole concept of Tabitha going into the bar and ordering a specific drink at eleven o'clock in the morning. You know, and the bartender kind of going to her is a bit early. You know, she's ordering the High Smith Royale. The bartender's kind of going, nope. No chance. Uh, she goes in and behind there, underneath this bar, has this cool club with all the assassins hanging out. I love that idea. It's yeah. really cool. And one of my favorite songs of all time playing in the background, The Stranglers, Peaches. Uh, you know, walking down the beaches, looking at the peaches. One Absolutely. of my favorite songs. Absolutely love it. Uh, and great kind of intro to this character and this world. This is a new world of assassins. And I'm sure we should be seeing some of those again in future episodes. But really, really cool. I'm really certainly missing. Definitely. That would be great. And one quick bit of feedback that came in about this particular part of the episode, I'm going to pull it in really early. It came in from Media Shock UK. Um, just wanted to pull it in because it's a nice little uh, connection to the DC Comics universe. Um, so Media Shock UK says, although Michelle Gomez is cast as the lady on IMDb, we aren't exactly sure if she is Lady Shiva or not. Uh, in DC Comics, there is a character called Lady Shiva who who does who is an assassin and heads up a group of assassins. So uh, this uh, this actually could be uh, a DC Comics character that they brought into the show, which would be cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So hopefully she'll make a return, and hopefully. We'll find out a bit more about it. Yeah, I have actually seen that Michelle Gomez is looking forward to people putting together a petition to get her back on the show. So if you enjoyed her, get on Twitter, uh, send her a tweet and uh, and join the petition to get her back on the show because we loved her, really enjoyed, really enjoyed having her on the show. John, do you want to give us your next point? Jim in a lift. <laughs> um, twice, in fact. Um, firstly, the first attacker sent from Missy to kill him the piano wire uh, guy yeah and um, i just loved it i this to me was batman 66 moment all over just the 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 lift look hugely um over elaborate for a lift it looks stylish it kind of was a looked like a bespoke uh, lift and just the fight that took place there were some really cool moves from jim gordon oh, yeah. the one where he kind of goes over the assassin's head and using the lift to to kind of run around and sort of escape the piano wire really cool it's but bad. then just it's stopping at you know a floor the doors <laughs> opening and there's this like punch out going on and then the doors close and off it goes like fantastic you, you couldn't want for a better kind of slapstick and um, violent moment it was brilliant <laughs> loved it definitely i love that they've got the little music playing in the background as it stops on the floor it really reminded me of uh, the 1978 film the blues brothers very famous film obviously yeah, exactly but, but that moment when they're they've been running and running and running being chased by tons of people they get into the lift and the music's playing as they go up 10 or 15 floors in a lift just you know this really unusual juxtaposition between all the action that's going on and this weird kind of relaxing music that's playing in the background you know a uh, brilliant moment really well put together really thought it was fantastically uh, just really good fun uh, for this episode definitely yeah absolutely um, and then the other moment of Jim in the lift is where he's going down to meet Eduardo Flamingo mm. we find out that Eduardo does like to nibble on his um, his victims he is a bit of a cannibal and um, I just thought with Jim going down in a lift, it just looked like a dumb waiter. It was like he was being served up to Eduardo as the, you know, the, the final course, the pièce de résistance. Um, and 
I just couldn't stop laughing as it went down. And I, I just tweeted that, is is Jim in a dumb waiter? Is he right. actually in an elevator? Like, what is he in? Because he's going down to meet the cannibal mm-hmm. Eduardo Flamingo again. That was just my own mind sort of uh, changing things up to what I saw. Um, but I thought that was really good as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. No, very, very good point. Good uh, good touch again on the show. Really good episode with, the, with these kind of touches. Yeah. It was. It was yeah. superb. I, it, it, it balanced the serious and the kooky mm-hmm. really well and the fun really well. Um, and I, it's something that I thought season one did well, actually. I really enjoyed that balance that they had. And, and sometimes maybe it's just gotten a bit too kooky. Right. Given yeah. the level of violence, you know, it can be uber violent. Um, and it, it's been uber violent, uber kooky, um, but not with anything maybe particularly meaty. And I thought this really gave meaty um, dialogue and, and storyline with Jim, Barbara, Leslie and Captain Barnes and that whole thing regarding Jim's character. But at the same time, it gave us some real fun moments, yeah, which didn't seem out of place. It it, it felt right for Gotham. So yeah. this was excellent to me. Really good balance. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Derek, what's your next point? Speaking of Batman 66 moments, and I am going to bring in another little piece of feedback that we got. Uh, Richard Blaze uh, got in contact with us on Twitter and said, uh, every scene with Ed and Penguin has to be your Batman 66 talking point. I'll totally agree. Um, Most of this episode actually seems to have been taken up with the proper meeting of Ed and Oswald. Uh, They have met once before. Didn't go so well um, with Oswald telling Ed to get out of his personal space effectively. Um, This time we have... I'm going to just talk about the Batman 66 elements because I think you probably have a point or two about Ed and Oswald as well. And it just felt like those great moments when there was a team up between these two characters of uh, Riddler and Penguin back in the Batman 66 series. You know, the idea of uh, of Ed taking care of Oswald while he's knocked out in bed, waking him up, playing songs that his mother sang to him as a child and singing them at the top of their voice. You know, the two of them having a couple of drinks around the dinner table towards the end as they're singing the song, uh, as Ed is tapping along on his on his mug. You know, lots of fun little moments between these two. Absolutely. Uh, And obviously the great moment of Ed delivering a Leonard to uh, (laughs) to Oswald. Um, you know his <laughs> this possible way to get to get some frustration on uh, on Galavan, even though Galavan's been arrested, uh, and Ed is going to hopefully learn how to be a better serial killer. You know this that's a that's a plot that would be taken from uh, one of the one of the Batman sixty six episodes. Like, I'm not as good a killer as you are. Teach me how to do it, and here's a body that you can practice on while I'm here. You know, uh, great fun. Really enjoyed these two together. But there were also some great other moments within it. Some really good, serious, dramatic moments between the two. Uh, one final uh, call out for me about it, though is where Ed tells tells Oswald, I've become a killer now. I think it's a great moment there. And then goes, um, I've killed three people. <laughs> and the reaction from Oswald, where it's like, three? Oh, I do that on my way over here, almost. It's kind of that, it's a really good you've moment. You've taken one of my points. I have the three kills. Um, I love the absolute elation in Ed Nigma, the pride he takes in finally saying this out loud he says you know it, it's great to hear that out loud and uh, yeah. that i'm a killer that i've killed people um and that coupled then immediately to just oswald's face the the roll of the eyes the slight smirk the kind of thinking like it's like he wants to burst out laughing like you're not a killer you you've just dabbled exactly. and i just thought excellent it's like most children in gotham have killed that many people it's kind of it's kind of that look that he's given them you know you know and ed even calls oswald out as a notorious killer in gotham yeah. you know has multiple like head counts in that sense um as, as a as a murderer and, and a uh, a crime boss mm-hmm. and i just loved that interaction between these two characters Mm -hmm. and and that was yeah i mean just i think moving on to my point with regards to ed nigma and and oswald exactly the same um you know when he brought out leonard i thought it's my notes say a gift for stabbing it's kind of like a pinata um you just (laughs) expect them to start whacking at him but you know at the same time in amongst all this fun that they're having there is also this this notion that 
Ed Nigma wants Oswald to guide him through this transformation. And he talks about it being, you know, I cannot be a caterpillar forever. You know, he has to um, move on. I love just the, the pitter-patter of the, the dialogue and the interaction between the two where, you know, you see Ed Nigma's sort of, hello, sleepyhead. It's just so familiar sounding. It's it's really, really good. Um and then, you know, you really then see, actually, despite Nigma wanting Oswald to help him, he helps Oswald to the point where, unfortunately, Leonard is probably, like, dead and has bought it completely. Absolutely. There is just one <laughs> great moment that I couldn't stop laughing at. I wish we were able to use samples from the TV show in our, in our episodes, because it's at the moment when they take him back out of the, back out of the closet uh, where Ed stashed him. And they're talking about, you know, um, uh, where Oswald, Oswald says, my mom says there's no party without entertainment. And Mr. Leonard, who is uh, trussed up and has a uh, has a sock in his mouth, effectively, uh, just goes. <laughs> it's a real, a real Scooby. Scooby it's a yeah. Scooby Doo moment, effectively, where he's going, oh, oh, I, I know what's going to happen to me here. Uh, brilliant. and Good, good fun. But yeah. Tons of really good serious stuff going on as well. Obviously, with Oswald, Oswald's admission that he's that he's uh, lost his mom, the only person that he cared about and only person that he wanted to keep alive in Gotham, and now she's gone. Um, and Ed turning that on his head and going, "Well, yeah, but she's gone. That means you've lost everything. You have nothing to lose anymore, and that makes you even more dangerous. Yeah, uh, because you can come from a place of freedom. You can do whatever you want now because they can't hold anything over you." Um, and and even the the notion that Oswald is going to leave Gotham, and mm-hmm. um, like it really good. I mean that whole scene uh, between the Riddler and Penguin was just fantastic. Where uh, Ed Nigma talks about love being a weakness for men like him and Oswald, whereas other men draw strength. For them, it's their Achilles heel. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. you know for. For Oswald, it was his mum that was that weakness, and which Galavan leaped upon and yeah. um, to control him to do exactly what he wanted to do. And as you say, now that his mum has been killed, he is free and unencumbered um, to do what he pursues. Um, and that was really, really good. I mean, yeah. as he says, the man I see in front of me is a free man. You have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like he's also gone. Uh, he's lost Butch, his right hand man. He's lost Gabe. Uh, they've moved on from. He's lost his kingdom, as he said, which was Gotham. He's lost his mom. He's now got nothing to lose. And what's really interesting about it is this is generally the reason given in comic books why um, why vigilantes or why superheroes put on their masks to protect themselves, so that if anybody ever finds out about who they are, they may go after their loved ones. You know, uh, this has been flipped on its head for this show, saying the villains have the same exact problem. If they have people that they love in their life, other villains will take them out and will, other people will go after the people they love. So I like that they've addressed it in this way on, on the show. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a few spectacle references in, in this episode as well. I mean, creepily, Enigma still keeps Christine Kringle's uh, glasses by his bedside. Mm. Um, and when he looks at them, he feels nothing, but he, he keeps them anyway. Um, we have that. And then, of course, we do have that fantastic line um, from from Jim Gordon as he's about to kill his first um, assassin with the piano wire where he goes, do you know what I like about those glasses? They look like bullseyes right. as he shoots him through. Classic, classic line. Brilliant. Loved it. Really cool. Um, really cool. So a few little spectacle references. As a <laughs> specky four-eyed person myself, um, top notch. Interesting, interesting. Derek, what's your next point? My next point is Bruce Silver and Alfred and the cat. Um, really loved this scene. Again, you know, uh, David Mazous and uh, and Sean Pert, we would give a lot of credit to when we're watching the show because the two, the scenes they have together tend to be just the two of them um, and they are masterful together. Uh, it, it's amazing that a, a kid of the age of David Mazous is able to pull off some of the scenes that he does. Um, there's one scene I didn't like uh for the first time, I think, uh, this season between the two of them. But the initial scene where Bruce has invited Silver St. Cloud over to his house to try and get the information out of her about who killed his parents. Um, it's great because it, again, answers what would Bruce do next after uh, the uh, after losing out 
uh, on that information from Galavan. And um, well, the next thing you do is go for the next possible person that may know this information. You know, um, I love how Alfred calls him out on it. I love how he uh, how he stops and sends uh, Silver home with his usual um, his usual British self. It's effectively uh, in light in light of recent events. I think you should leave. Uh, smart girl off your pop. Uh, this is Alfred's line to her. But after Silver's gone, he turns to he turns to Bruce and says, um, "You don't have it in you yet to be able to deal with a woman like that. Um, she's too she's effectively too strong and too smart for you the way you are right now. You need more training in the ways of dealing with people like that to get." that kind of information that you want out of her. She's never going to give it up. She's only going to twist your end of finger and get and, and take more from you than you're ever going to get But he puts it in a way that is really, really good. Like he says, getting information out of that girl requires a level of deception that you don't currently have. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really, I like that line. It, yeah. It's the idea that you haven't got the ability to pretend lie you mm-hmm. know to to be really deceptive in how you are dealing with people i mean manipulating people if you will in the same way that she is able to do absolutely and, and that was really good i also love the fact that he does say if you force me to be your jailer then that is who i will be yeah and um, i think that's a really important line for alfred as well because obviously it is you know um, guardian and you know multi-billionaire um, and inherited uh, multi-billionaire um, or it's butler and his master whatever yeah. it might be and I think this is the really good way of addressing that which is I'm your guardian I can be your friend I can be your um, your guardian or I can be someone that you really don't want me to be yeah. but i will be it if you force me to go down that route um so that was really a great little uh point for their relationship as well i think absolutely absolutely uh one touch i did like uh, at the end of the conversation with silver just before she leaves uh you see a little bit of uh, of the playboy bruce there as uh as the good looking girl leaves her hotel room key with him um i like that little touch i thought that's a nice little uh a nice little gag on playboy bruce uh bruce wayne he's a little young right now but uh but i like the little joke uh in there and um, the scene i didn't like between alfred and, and bruce uh it's probably the only scene i didn't like in the episode is where they tried to go for a bit of comedy um with bruce coming down the stairs wearing his uh wearing his dressing gown over his clothes and saying to saying to Alfred that he was going to go back to bed and everything's fine. He totally understood. And Alfred was sending off the taxi that Bruce had ordered to take him into Gotham. Yeah, um, I just thought that scene played like something out of a, a not a not very good sitcom. It just didn't really work for me. Um, that scene between the two of them, they don't need that. They have such good chemistry and such good moments between them in the episode. They probably didn't even need that moment. Uh, I liked the moment much better when Bruce tries to escape through the window of the drawing room and as he opens the curtains, Cat's standing outside, Selena Kyle, uh, waiting for him to leave and then comes in and, and talks him out of going anywhere near Silver St. Cloud again. Uh, I like that they bring Selena back in. She is his guardian devil, I suppose you'd call her. Uh, she is still watching over him uh, because she knows how bad Silver is for him. She's 100% knows this because Silver has told her how bad she is. You know, um, I like that they brought her back in here. It's a really good idea. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, another great scene this week between Alfred and uh, and Bruce. Um, John, do you want to take us on to your next point? The Dumas. Ah, the brilliant. Order of St. Dumas, yes. a land at the docks in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really like this scene, mainly because of the context in which it was given, um, that you had prior to that Galavan and Tabitha, Tabitha visiting her brother in prison. I'm not entirely sure how that works, given that the GCPD are looking for her. So I don't know whether... That's just one of those little slips, um, to be honest. Um, I understood that they were looking for her as well. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. I'm not. She's not at the apartment. I mean, yeah. my point being is I'm not entirely sure how that would work or maybe I've just missed something from the episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the fact is that I love the scene, however, because I love that Galavan is, threatens his sister for the first time. Yeah. That... 
What do you mean you've taken a contract out on Jim Gordon? Uh, if you do anything that threatens this plan, essentially, I will slit your throat. Yeah. I mean, absolutely threatening. And more to the point, he talks as though he expects to be where he is at this moment in time yeah, like yeah it's all part of a plan and then you know it it cuts to the docks with uh the the brotherhood there walking along the docks in in gotham mm-hmm. and being welcomed by the head monk really really good and um, so it's all part of the plan Galavan is right where he wants to be, and we have a poor dock worker being brutally stabbed left, right, and center Absolutely. by by this this crowd. It was really, really good, and yeah. I'm really looking forward to the next episode because I'm thinking, does Galavan get broken out of prison by um by the Brotherhood mm. now that they're here? Do they enact and execute his plan irrespective? He's behind bars, so it never looks as though any of this really was to do with him. And um, obviously, Jim and and Barnes have found a, a cassock in a hidden compartment in the wall following yeah. the shootout in the apartment. So there is something to connect him potentially to a a monk order if they become public and and start doing stuff. But nonetheless. This is like, I just love the fact that Galavan is almost sitting pretty in prison, and that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I loved the prison talk between Galavan and Tabitha. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely loved it. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I like the fact that Jim did actually find the cassock in Galavan's apartment. He was so adamant he was going to stay there until he found something else on Galavan that he could use, uh, not just the testimony of the former mayor of, of Gotham. Uh, he's also um, able to uh, able to find the cassock and connect him in some way. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm really intrigued by the Dumas uh, I'm really intrigued by the order of the Dumas coming into this city here. Uh, really cool. Really interested to see what they're going to do with with uh, with this whole group of um, of of guys that back up Galavan. You know, that's really interesting to see. It's going to be uh, going to be fun couple of episodes going forward. Yeah, definitely. But Derek, what's your final point? Yeah, my final point is about Eduardo Flamingo. I just wanted to go back to him a little bit, just because he is a character from the comic books created by Grant Morrison, Scottish uh, comic book writer, um, created for Batman uh, number six six six, which I think is interesting. Created for that for that particular issue, um, he's almost exactly the same as he is in the comic books. He's a killer who eats faces, um, but a much more flamboyant character in the comic book. I like that they toned it down to just a a pink feather in his hair rather than um, him having the full on. Uh, pink costume, pink um, motorbike with the flamingo symbol on the side of it. <laughs> uh, what is it about flamingos this season? We're covering, I know, we're covering, loads of them. We're covering Agent Carter, where there's also a flamingo has made a, a central yeah. appearance in the show. So, uh, so quite interesting to see that this uh, this major character called the Flamingo has also made it onto Gotham. Um, but he's pretty brutal character. I love that the first scene that you see with him, he's cutting somebody's ear off. And there's a set of legs stretching out <laughs> of a fire. Um, seems to really enjoy his work, uh, definitely. Just a bit. Yeah. The psycho killer who does love what he does. Um, I mean, he's been thrown out of the order, the assassin's order by Missy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's cutting off an ear or he's just taken out a tongue and he's about to you know, swallow it up. Really good. Again, Officer Parks is like, chewed upon by by him you know really brutally yeah. violent scene and she dies from it i do have to question uh the police officers who are trying to pull him away um i thought four of them would have been able to have done that in time for her to um survive yeah if barbara can fall out of a cathedral window um or the belfry and, and survive i have a feeling officer parks could have given that there were four people for other officers immediately there to rescue her could really have survived this it was a shame that she had to die but in the context of jim's story Mm -hmm. as i said before i think it's really works um you know and again it just shows the brutality of eduardo yeah and also he's cocksure i mean like let's face it he's got his chains he's got his like flamboyant little flick through his hair all of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I love the fact that Jim 
beats him down and beats him down properly. And again, Eduardo provides that foil of saying, no, I'm not going to kill you. You are going to be arrested and put behind prison. Yeah. It fuels that side, as we've already discussed. Really good. Absolutely. But as a a non-gun owner and someone that is actually pretty terrified of of guns, I have to say the scene of Jim putting the gun inside the mouth of the guy who's just beaten down to the ground is still pretty visceral to me. It's still a scene that is... Almost as bad as seeing him pull the trigger for me. It's uh, oh, him being time, yeah. that brutal of taking the gun and putting it into the mouth of somebody else. That's a villain thing to do. It's, well, not, a, it's not a hero thing to do, even though he pulled back from it. Um, but I love the scene. I love the idea that Jim is about to pull the trigger uh, on this gun. He's so close to doing it. And that is definitely a really well put together scene until his final reaction, where he does let out the aggression or the stress of that situation uh, in a very loud and possibly quite girly scream, yeah, <laughs> towards the end. Might, might just be the echo in the archway. Yeah, I think it's the sensitive side Maybe. of Jim coming through there. And I love the fact that it was quite manly, actually. And it just, as it gets towards the end of the this full-on kind of roar of, I want to do this, but I can't, I've got to hold back, mm-hmm. it, it goes a little high-pitched. <laughs> but I thought that was quite good. It does show the sensitive side of Jim Gould. Absolutely. Uh, Jim, how Jim. <laughs> no, my name's John. And my last point is... <laughs> See, this is why we call out our names at the beginning of every episode, because I forget them sometimes. Uh, John, what is your last point? Do you, have, do you have a last point? I do. It is a bit of a Joker watch, actually. Yes, yes. We do see in the opening scene as it... The camera pans along a wall. We see a bit of graffiti with some eyes and a big ha 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 mm-hmm. on the wall. So, the legend of the Joker, of the smiley man, the magician of Jerome lives on. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. As we were, as we were told it would uh, when when we lost Jerome at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really good catch there. I really enjoyed seeing that as we as we went past. It was definitely there and placed there for all of us to pour over. Um, so yeah, we're we're hopefully going to see another Joker or another version of the Joker in future and kind of get that story continued um, throughout Gotham. But, hopefully, yeah. and with a red hood. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I think that's it for our points about this episode. Tons to talk about and ton, tons of stuff going on in this episode. Loads yeah. and really good, you know. Really good, really solid episode of Gotham. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I would definitely give this four um, chopped off ears out <laughs> of five. I mean, it just had an awful lot for me. It certainly addressed for me one of the growing inconsistencies, or should I say flaws maybe, coming into the Jim Gordon character in Gotham, which were addressed here. You know, he is battling demons. Mm-hmm. Um, he is being called to account by people in his personal life with Leslie and now in his work life with, with Captain Barnes. I love that it also ended up with a tragic consequence for doing the right thing because that just makes it harder for Jim to maybe reason this through and rationalize it. But I'm looking forward to seeing that kind of battle Definitely. that Jim has. Um, I loved Missy being here, the the um, the secret underground um, agency of assassins. I loved the arrival of the Order of Saint Dumas, yeah. um, and just Galavan's kind of um, preach and prison talk to his sister, where he just seems to be sitting pretty, even though it looks like all is lost. He's there, seemingly. Uh, in the right place at the right time. And mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what happens in, in the next uh, few episodes. Yeah. yeah. And as well, the wave after wave of, of assassins was just superb. I lo- really I love good. That. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, you know, sometimes doing this, doing the show, we've done, you know, obviously 60 episodes of our podcast about it's now, what, 31 episodes of Gotham itself that we've reviewed. And sometimes it can be difficult. There are episodes that are filler. We've talked about them before. There's always something interesting, which is why we love the show and why we continue to podcast about it. Um, but I love when this stuff all comes together in a really good episode where you watch, you know, scenes between Nick Mobblepot, uh, Edward Nigma and, and Oswald Cobblepot, which are really enjoyable scene to really good actors playing off each other that don't get the opportunity to do it at other times. You can tell the two actors really get on as well because they're able to do a good pitter-patter. Absolutely. You know? um, you, t- you can tell 
with scenes like the Leslie Tompkins and Jim uh, Jim Gordon or the Captain Barnes and Jim Gordon. You can tell that there was some build up in the show. You know, it's kind of rewarding for a long time viewer like all of us are. Obviously, uh, it's rewarding for you to be able to get those scenes that you don't get in other episodes, which are normally the criminal of the week or that kind of stuff. It's rewarding to get scenes between those characters where they're actually talking to each other about stuff that you want to see them talk about, you know, and um, not just glossing over and moving on to the next crime or the next big moment, you know, actually getting moments to breathe, uh, which is what absolutely you should have in a series that's 22 episodes long. You should have moments to breathe and actually talk about things that you don't get time to do in a movie or don't get time to do in a 10 episode show. So I'm glad they took the time in this episode to actually have some great characters spending time with each other and doing some great things together and also have a great overarching element to it, which is the assassins trying to kill Jim and the order of Saint Dumas arriving. So, Absolutely. really, really good. Absolutely. And I mean, as you say, on top of all of that, there is that great um, series of scenes with Nigma and Copplepot. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Fantastic episode. Yeah, absolutely fantastic episode. And looking forward to next week's Son of Gotham, episode 10. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing that and seeing uh, who is the Son of Gotham. But the thing with that, it's time to move on to our feedback. Yep, first up some Twitter reactions while we were watching the episode and live tweeting along with it. Uh, first reaction was from Media Shock UK who said, Episode 9 just upped the ante, Jim has gone full-blown crazy and the Penguin Riddler amazing. Absolutely, Sarah Madison says, Fab episode, shows Oswald's vulnerability and Nigma clearly admiring him and almost wanting to impress him. Mm-hmm. Paul Edwards says, one tough day for Gotham, a killer bromance formed. What more can you ask for in a Gotham? Great episode. Absolutely. Cezia Halton goes, episode nine is my favorite so far this season. Ditto. Uh, absolutely agree with that. Really good episode. And finally, Claire Payne says, an amazing speech by Ed, which has really screwed up Oswald even more. I feel Ed is even more dangerous than Penguin now. Um, That's an interesting point. Yeah. It, it is, because I think that Enigma manipulates with his own language, with the riddles, with, with the, the misdirect. Oswald, he does it by planting seeds and manipulating people, but getting other people to do his mm. work and only revealing himself when he is absolutely certain um, or assured of victory. Um, so really, really uh, interesting point there, Claire. Also, um, some feedback um, for discussion is that Paul Edwards uh, comes back with, question for the podcast, how do you think the death of the rookie will affect Jim? Considering if he killed the assassin, crossed the so-called line, at the end of the episode, she would most definitely be alive. Great to see Missy in Gotham. Also plays the assassin club owner brilliantly. Absolutely. Missy, fantastic. Um, Plaudits all around there and absolutely spot on. This will be really interesting to see how Jim copes with doing the right thing, but not getting necessarily the right result. He says at the start to Captain Barnes, you know, yes, I did all that stuff that you're sort of giving out to me about, but at the end of the day, we had Galavan in prison and Mayor James Aubrey was rescued. You know, we need to cross the line occasionally. So really interesting. I hope it just makes him even more conflicted and that we see um, Jim play this out with, with Captain Barnes, with Leslie and really, really good. So thank you so much, Paul, for, for that. Um, we also have some feedback from Natalie. Yes, we do. She's got some a uh, couple of interesting points from Natalie. Uh, she says, just on the Missy point, which is everybody talking about uh, this particular week, she says, the Whovian in me is still a buzz that they somehow managed to get Michelle Gomez. Uh, her casino operator slash hitman employer was a few notches down the scale of evil from Missy, but still deliciously and comically evil all the same. I hope they think to bring her back. Now, if only I can figure out how to get Sean Pertwee's Alfred down in the casino. Really good point. Sean Pertwee obviously is the son of one of the Doctor Whos. It would be great to see him play off uh, Missy in an episode, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, Absolutely. Really good fun, That would be really it? good. Yeah, really nice touch. Um, Natalie also says the whole Nigma penguin sequence is pretty fun and interesting dynamic developed where nascent psychopath Nigma wanted pointers on killing from Penguin but ended up giving Penguin, who very understandably wanted to get away for a while, a pep talk. For Penguin, it must have felt like he was trapped in a Stephen King book or the film Misery in the early going. Nigma is sweetly caring in his insanity and all the things he did to try to heal Penguin psychologically. 
Uh, this and last week showed that the whole enigma has, has emerged. The sweet, if awkward nerd with his confident and psychopathic side in a harmonious fashion. What I mean is he's still a little sweet and awkward and still very nerdy, but he is much more confident now that the psychopathic side has come fully out to play. Makes for an interesting mix. Yeah, a really good point and definitely noticeable in this episode that we don't ever, I think since since um, episode seven, we haven't actually seen Evil Ed or Good Ed. We've just seen Ed Nygma. There's nobody talking to him anymore. He's just the one character. Uh, and that means he's merged the two sides of him. Um and yeah, you can definitely see both sides of them in the character that he's playing now. Really good uh, props to to Corey Michael Smith. He's doing a brilliant job Absolutely. Of, of incorporating those two elements uh, and making really making good great. acting. And I mean, the two of them are great acting in this episode from uh, Robin Lord Taylor and Corey Michael Smith. And I mean, we've enjoyed their performances right from the get go. Yeah. Um, and it's really good, as you say, to see them on the screen together. Mm-hmm. Bouncing off one another, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And finally, Natalie says, uh, it also makes Ed seem partially redeemable as kind of an anti-hero. I could see this enigma turning into a Dexter type of killer, killing only bad guys. Then there's that version of the Riddler that tried his hand at being a private investigator. Gotham's enigma certainly has the police experience to go that route once he gets bored of killing. Yeah, great points. Um, I really can see that, you know. Can Ed flip it back around and just take out criminals. Uh, is that going to be some of his path to um, to becoming the full-blown Riddler? Will he just take out people that um, he maybe can't catch or the other detectives can't catch? How are they going to involve them in the GCPD going forward? What do you think? That would be really good uh, and interesting to see, I think. It would be a nice twist for this enigma to mm. do that, at least to start off on that uh, route, given... Detective Doherty was, you know, that felt right. Just yeah, it, mm. it felt justified in the circumstance and um, within the show, you know, and, and within that character um, and that kind of vigilante element, I think, would be really interesting. Yeah, I can't really. The, the thing for me that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Ed Nigma ensconced and back in the GCPD because there has to come that conversation where is Christine Kringle yeah. he, since that's happened he's been you know awkwardly in the morgue for one moment which was really nice so that was a great scene between him and Leslie Tompkins and I really want to start to see him deal with Harvey Bullock deal with Jim Gordon deal with other officers who maybe treat him like crap maybe you know um, just uh, talk down to him that now he's got this more confident side I think that would be really interesting to see and just to see the pressure build and build and build on him in relation to the missing Christine Kringle yeah. will be really good I think yeah absolutely I get I get the feeling that Captain Essen would have noticed much quicker than Captain Barnes will notice the missing Ed uh, and the missing um, Christine Kringle you know it seems like Barnes is very occupied with everything that's going on in this war that he's declared on Oswald, so uh, I'm intrigued to see to see what happens. You know, uh, are there are they still going door to door to catch Oswald at this stage? You know, that was the de- declaration that was made and given by Mayor Gallivan. So now that Gallivan's arrested, are they actually going to go door to door to try and find Oswald? Uh, interesting stuff coming up. Uh, thanks so much for that feedback, Natalie. I think we're done for this episode of Gotham TV Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Really good, as always, to have you have you with us each week for Gotham TV Podcast. We will return next week with Gotham TV Podcast episode 61, about episode 10 of Gotham, the son of Gotham. Absolutely. Uh, remember, you can uh, get that as well as this episode or any of our podcasts on season two on gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catcher, just search Gotham TV Podcast. Join our group on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter. Just um, search Gotham TV Podcast or look for the handle at Gotham TV Podcast. Absolutely. And if you want to send us in your feedback, as always, send it to feedback at GothamTVPodcast.com. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks for listening. Now off you pop. Bye.
being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. It's, well, not, a, it's not a hero thing to do, even though he pulled back from it. Um, but I love the scene. I love the idea that... Did you that like the Jim's, girly scream? <laughs> I love the idea that Jim is about to pull the trigger uh, on this gun. He's so close to doing it. Um, <gasps> He's so close to doing it, and that is definitely a really well put together scene. Until his final reaction, where he does let out the the aggression or the stress of that situation uh, in a very loud and possibly quite girly scream, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> towards the end. Might, might just be the echo in it's that particular. It's his sensitive side. I, it's his sensitive side. I think maybe, maybe, yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, it just shows the brutality of Eduardo. Of Eduardo. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye bye.